Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. It's a pleasure to be with everybody today. I hope that wherever you are, you're having a good day and the weather is nice and you're trying your best to maintain your own calmness and emotional health. And the reason I bring that up, of course, is because I want to talk about that kind of thing today. So when somebody is struggling with memory and cognitive impairment, we start asking ourselves a lot of hard questions. You know, is this really happening? Why am I losing my temper when they are not apparently listening to me? Why are they driving as bad as they are? Why are they not paying the bills? What is going on? And especially if they're young. If they're young, we question that less. We just think that they're behaving really badly. We don't really ask questions about how they're doing at work. We don't ask questions about why they're not paying the bills. We just think they're you know, not doing things they used to do. They're being lazy. Um, They seem to not care as much. So we might think it's just apathy. And why are we so oblivious to it? Are we afraid of talking about it? Because if we talk about it, it makes it true. Are we oblivious to it because we don't want to get a diagnosis for our loved one, that's fair. I think that's totally fair. But I know this, when we have these problems cropping up and we don't talk about it, it just wreaks havoc. You know, it happened again this week where I am trying to help families who are afraid to say the A word. They're struggling with their own emotions. They're getting angry with their people. They... They went through uh, several years where they didn't get a diagnosis. They just thought the person was, you know, forgetting things, where they were going. Um, They can still call people by their names. They always had trouble with names. So is it forgetfulness or, or is it that that forgetfulness didn't signal any problems for us? Is it easier when we get a diagnosis or not easier? I don't know. I don't know. 
But what I do know is I'm seeing a lot of angry people. Not just about the diagnosis, but about their ever-changing roles throughout the progression, the progression of the disease. And so, you know, we get in this weird place where we feel like, well, should I just make the person do the tasks that they used to do and I'm just not going to help them because if I don't help them, then, then, you know, they'll maintain some type of of cognition. Boy, I hear the craziest things. I have one particular family where one person calls out the person with the diagnosis and uh, does everything really that they can to try to um, help them, but they lose their temper when the person reacts strongly, yells at him, screams at him, cusses at him, whatever it is, and they will repeat that back to me. They will repeat back to me what the person said the way they said it in front of the person. So all that does is throw, you know, gasoline on the fire. And then I hear that another family member was critical of the way that person was taking care of of the person with the diagnosis. So they had the person with the diagnosis move in with them. And they didn't argue with the person. They didn't repeat back to the person what they said, but they had no emotional connection at all. So they just um, kind of ignored if the person couldn't make their own meal or or you didn't want to make them a meal, you just say, go in and make your own meal. Go in and do your own thing. And what's shocking to me (laughs) about that is the stark differences in the approaches and neither one of them benefited the person with the diagnosis. And so I get the question, like, why should I even help? You know, my my person was a, you know, they might say, my mom was a total bitch or my dad was so uncaring and unconnected to me as a child, whatever it was. Not every relationship is loving and friendly you know, with your glass half full. Sometimes there's just so much freaking baggage. And through COVID, over, you know, really around uh, spring 2019 to now, I am meeting so many family members who had to stay at home with their person with the diagnosis, and they have lost connection. Their perception has changed of that person. Anything that person did in their life is now coming back to haunt them. 
Um, you know, you treated me like crap when I was young. Why should I care now? I'm seeing people that don't, when I say, you know, they'll tell me, uh, they haven't, my person hasn't uh, had a bath or a shower in weeks. And I'm like, well, can you do something nice? Like, you know, I'm always talking about the ADLs and how you can make a bathroom nice and warm for them and turn the water on for them, maybe have a glass of wine waiting for them, some candles going. And and I had, <laughs> I had someone say to me, do you expect me to do that all the time? I'm like, whoa, well, maybe I shouldn't have brought it up because chances are you may never do it. That's just not in your motive of operation. It's just not. If you if you would prefer that the person just has a big odor and is difficult to be around, by all means, I guess, go for it. Um I I just kind of am blown away at the level of anger and distrust and um, even how that correlates to the person having delusions. I mean, I can say till I'm blue in the face that people will feed off of your energy. Um, the person with the diagnosis will absolutely feed off of your energy. But I'm not sure that people really believe that. I, and don't – I want to back up and say I have lots and lots of you out there who listen to the things I try and tell you and you see positive results from it. Some of you are working with people who are meaner than cat shit and are really, really – uh, in the mode of the thing I'm talking about today. Because it's, I think, virtually impossible to really take care of somebody the best you can when you haven't been close to them, when you feel like you hardly know them, when you have a grudge as high as the Grand Canyon, it's how do you how do you put conflicts that you've had in the past? How do you do that? I really don't know. I mean, what I'm kind of asking you to do is look for the positive in that person, or at least something positive in that person. Try and start from scratch. Start all over again. Or go the other direction. Find a care community for them. If they have no money, there are Medicaid places. Sign them up for Medicaid and make sure they get the disability that they need and and choose to go a different direction. You know, the the biggest thing I I think is that two huge motivators that we have in our lives are love and fear. 
And I think that when you are confronting the challenges of memory loss, cognitive loss, like Alzheimer's and some of the other dementias, Fear takes over in that person because they're losing their independence. They're they're losing their minds. They're struggling. They have a fear of loneliness. They they have literal cracks in their interior makeup because now they're vulnerable. Now they're humbled. You know, and they have to ask people for help that maybe they didn't treat right in the past. I see this every day. Oh, my God. We could have a whole new movie called Fear and Loathing in Alzheimer's Land and make a complete documentary of this. It blows my mind that people... They get in situations that they they never in their wildest dreams thought was going to happen. Somebody that they thought hated them their whole life or treated them like crap their whole life suddenly selects them to step in and take care of them. And if you're the only remaining person in the family, um, that's where I see lots of problems. That's where I see people feeling like they are backed into a corner. Um, They're so angry. They're so angry. And I am going to ask you, please, if you are asked by somebody you maybe never liked, you can love somebody because they're related to you, but it doesn't mean you like them. That happens all the time, right? And if that happens, think long and hard before you try to step in and care for that ailing person. Because the job is hard. It is hard for people who care. If you don't care, that's even worse. Sometimes you're the only person in the family that's willing to help. And you don't get much support from people around you. That happens every day too. Why do you do it though? Are you the only one that couldn't say no? Does everyone think you're the fix-it person in the family and you'll just do it? Are you doing it out of a sense of obligation? Guilt, maybe not being around much, not calling them very much when they when you were younger. Is it something you promised a long time you do ago you would do, or do you feel like it's just the right thing to do, or a sense of obligation that hey we take care of our own, but really. And when you step in and say you're going to help somebody, it's going to be your obligation then to try to 
be the information resource officer or to initiate help or mend some broken hearts along the way and try and and tell people, well, you know, the reason they're behaving this way or they're they're acting this way is because it's just a disease and you shouldn't take it personally. Don't take it personally. You've been taking it personally your entire life. It it I um the reason I'm talking about this today is because unfortunately I'm seeing the ugliness of the world right now with people who say they love somebody or say they will take care of somebody and then they don't have a clue how to survive the crisis. They don't have a clue of how they're going to manage their own emotions. They haven't taken any classes. They haven't learned anything. They just kind of step in and think they're going to be that primary caregiver. And the bottom line is, when you do that, You've got two choices, and it's pretty simple. It's either going to be a burden to you, or it's going to be an opportunity for you. And the opportunity could be to mend fences with that person, to take care of them and do the right thing. The other part of it could be an inheritance you've got sitting somewhere down the road or you want the house that they live in. I mean, come on, people. There are people out there that feel that way. I'm meeting them daily. It makes me nuts. It makes me nuts. The the burden part of it, I don't think burdening is a word. (laughs) I have to laugh at myself sometimes. But some of the some of the things that kind of start with this whole thing is just confusion, forgetfulness, repeating conversations, the stuff that makes you crazy, fighting with you about taking medications. And you're like, we can just not take medications if this is how it's going to go. We have a fight-or-flight kind of mentality when we're struggling between the burden and the opportunity. Screw them. They can go to the bathroom by themselves. If they soil their clothes, they can do their own laundry, even if they can't. People lose things and, oh, well, they're just lost. Or they accuse you of stealing something and you take it personally and get mad and just argue with them that you didn't take it. It's not a good thing to accept the responsibility of someone if you don't love them and like them. Or are willing to learn about the disease so that it doesn't further complicate and alienate you from that person. Because I'll tell you what happens. 
is either you try to take care of them and you end up in some type of (laughs) abuse or neglect kind of situation (laughs) or um, you take them to a nursing home and then never go visit them. It's virtually impossible if you are struggling with that person's personality to see them in a compassionate, loving way and work towards making things easier for them. I think it's just virtually impossible. I just don't think you can do it. And I see it every day. And I'm pleading with you. If you think the scope of care is too much, if you have such a contentious relationship with someone that you feel like you can't get past it, don't step up to care for them. They they would benefit better from someone in a professional situation that uh, has no ties to this, no emotional baggage with all of this, caring for them like from a a home care company or in a some kind of a nursing home than having you try to take care of them. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm telling you, this is what I'm seeing. And I think it's a direct result of short tempers and, you know, using the analogy of pulling the string on a sweater and all of a sudden it starts to unravel. That's what I'm seeing so much of. I'm seeing family after family completely stressed out, completely angry with the person with the diagnosis and not seeing them for the people that they were, not willing to see them for the people that they are now. And it's just a perfect storm. It's just a perfect storm. We're going to take a short break and listen to a word from my sponsor, Carillon at Bellevue Station, and we'll be right back. Carillon at Bellevue Station is a residential community enriching the senior living experience. Our community full of grandeur and elegance is located near Cherry Hills, Colorado. We offer independent living and personalized assisted living services and an intimate, caring neighborhood for our residents with Alzheimer's and other dementias. A beautifully appointed spacious apartment, chef-prepared meals, transportation services, and a team devoted to your safety and wellness are what awaits you when you reside at Carillon at Bellevue Station. Call 720-440-8200 or visit carillon at bellevuestation.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, so I'm getting real with you today because I'm seeing so many short-tempered, emotional people attempting to care for family members that didn't treat them right in the past. I'm telling you, every day I get a call from a family in this situation. Yesterday, I had three of them. And 
I struggle to come up with ways that they can make this person's life easier. I I could make a, a share help them make a share of the care plan, but they're not interested. I could help make a calendar of engagement pieces, but they tell me the person stays in their room 24/7, doesn't hardly come out, cusses at them constantly. And it's difficult to give strategies and techniques to people who are angry because they're in their role. I don't know why the sense of obligation has enveloped you. If you are in this situation, please get out of it. Try try to find someone from your church. Try to find, you know, see if you're Medicare insurance will cover – there are some insurances that cover somebody coming in a couple of hours a week. Um, like I said, do the paperwork if they don't have any money uh, to, so that they can get in a Medicaid place and they can be cared for by people that truly would want to care for them. If they have enough money for private pay, uh, spend their money on that. That's not your inheritance. That's hard-earned money – that they made and they deserve to be cared for. And the things that that really tick people off, right, is, you know, they have zero, zero patience, zero patience when they are already angry at the person for past sins. <laughs> they don't like it when they repeat themselves. Oh, the biggest one I hear is they don't brush their teeth. They don't take a shower. Um, They call relatives and tell them that you're abusing them. They don't pay their bills. They don't clean their house. They don't wash their clothes. They don't comb their hair. What else can I think of? They can barely do any tasks. They don't take their medicine. They shuffle their feet. They fall all the time. They act differently. They get angry at you. They get angry at everybody. They overfeed the dog. Oh, my God. I'm just trying to think of all the things I I hear. Personality changes. They're demanding. Um, They are aggressive sometimes. They get obsessed with certain things that they will or will not do. They don't sleep well. They're up all night. You're not sleeping well. Everything's disorganized. They have a complete lack of motivation, which gives you nothing but depression and a headache. Those kinds of things happen all the time. And, you know, it may seem like I'm not being very helpful <laughs> today, <laughs> but it, but it, it begs the the narrative that who do we think we're helping? Why are we doing this? What is our motivation? If it's an inheritance, if it's getting their money later, I have zero patience for that. 
Even if you got treated like crap, you grew up, you moved on, you went your own way, you're doing your own life, you're doing your own thing. Move on. Because unhealthy codependent relationships between family members are probably the worst. If somebody makes a mistake, it's like they they committed a cardinal sin. If they set the stove on fire, they can't be trusted. You're worried about your own safety, not so much theirs. We stop being interested in trying to make their life a little better. We're just trying to figure out how we're, we're going to get from through from day to day, hour to hour, without losing our minds. I have sympathy for that. I do. I have sympathy for that. I get it when they are mean and nasty. I get why sometimes we want to throw our hands up and try to figure out whether or not we should do everything we can possibly do for that person. My suggestion to you is A, seek counseling for yourself if you're in this situation. And B, learn what you can about the disease so every little thing that pops up doesn't make you angry. Are you going to get through it in this life? Yeah, probably. Is it, you know... Karma coming back to haunt this person that they got sick? Probably not. It's just a brain disease. And I get that people who were not nice in their life um, are lucky if anybody is still around when they have this type of brain disease. I have seen more cantankerous, angry people with a diagnosis who are feeding off the angry, cantankerous people that are caring for them, and everybody's mad, nobody's showering, incontinence is abundant, and things are not going well. Some people have a lack of emotion. Oh, well, let them do whatever they want to do. Some people have way too much emotion and get angry and yell at the person. There's no perfect answer. There's no crystal ball. Even I can't come in and fix it when people are in these scenarios. I want to. I want to try as best I can. So what I try to do is just get down to the brass tacks of what stage they're in and and what people might need to do. And uh, can you bring them into the fold and, and have them help you with household chores? 
Did you ever uh, look at the changing roles between a, an adult child and their parent and and kind of discuss how that was going to happen when they were able to discuss it? Did we have any of those conversations? Um, spouses, I see this with spouses all the time. My wife did everything. She paid the bills. She uh, went to the grocery store. She fixed all the meals. She raised the kids. She helped with homework. Um, she got them through school. I basically worked and paid to, you know, put my paycheck in the in the uh, bank, and we went from there. And now, the male counterparts, if they were in that role, I've had several of these recently. Uh, will say, gosh, I don't know how to do any of those things. I mean, not back in the day when I was in school, we had home economic classes. And not just the girls took those classes, the guys took the classes. They have taken those out of schools now. There's no home economics. They don't tell you how to function in a home. They don't teach you to count back change. They don't they don't teach you to iron or do laundry or anything. Those are the kind of things they were doing when I was a kid. We literally had home ec classes. Just like we had shop classes where girls would go in and change tires and fix electrical outfits and things like that. I don't think they do that stuff anymore. So we have a whole group of people out there that have no idea how to do what their spouse did when they were well. And they're mad as hell about it now that they have some type of dementia. So I would say, if you can, swallow your pride and ask a family member to come in and help you with making your electronic bills uh, payable that way. Your, or make all your bills electronic is what I was trying to say. Um, if people still like to iron clothes, um, have somebody show you how to iron so you don't burn yourself or burn your clothes up. Um, if you never knew how to sew a button back on, don't throw your pants away. Have somebody show you how to sew a button back on. Some of the anger and some of the disillusionment and the role reversal that has people so upside down like they're standing on their heads has to do with the fact that they're forced into a situation of doing something they never knew how to do. They weren't the ones that planned the meals. They weren't the ones that went to the grocery store. And they act like somebody's whacked them in the head with a shovel or something, and they don't know how to do it. Are you kidding me? These are simple, fundamental things in life, and I spend an enormous amount of time every week talking to people about how to do those types of of tasks. And it's where 95% of the anger comes in. It's those those minute things that seem like they shouldn't be a big deal. Making a meal, 
going to the grocery store, changing a tire, paying a bill, running a bubble bath, getting ice and putting it in an ice uh, holder so somebody can, you know, help themselves with ice if they fall on anything that's aching in a trauma, making doctor appointments. It isn't that I don't want to help people with those things. I will. I will help you. But sometimes when I see that they're getting really uptight and angry about stuff like that, and super emotional about stuff like that, it makes me wonder, is it the tasks themselves that they don't know how to do or don't want to do, or is it just the anger and the grief of losing that role from that person that used to take care of everything, and now it feels overwhelming and impossible? It's not impossible. And even worse, when you take certain things away from that person because cognitively they're unable to do it, do you replace it with something else they still can do? Can they set the table? Can they put the knife and the fork in the in the place on the table? Can they get napkins? Can they fill glasses with water? Um, can they add just uh, some kind of a spice to the dish or whatever that you tell them how much they need to put in. Oh, no, no, no. We don't do that. We just sort of eliminate them from the the role of doing those things anymore because we don't trust them in the kitchen anymore. And then we're angry with them because we're the ones that has to do it. And again, I feel like this is all a product of people being at home that were never at home. Like a spouse or a adult child who always worked outside of the house and everybody went to working in their own homes. That's why office buildings are empty these days. They're starting to go back. But when people had to be in the house 24-7 and suddenly they realized that their person couldn't do that task anymore, um, they just shut them down from doing it, took it on themselves haphazardly didn't necessarily learn how to do it or went on, didn't go on YouTube. YouTube has something for everybody. If there's something you don't know how to do, turn on a record player. They will show you on YouTube. I promise you. So kind of the gist of, of what I'm talking about today is recognizing the things that make you mad And then understanding why it's making you mad. Is it grief? Is it role reversal? Is it old baggage? Is it just all the nastiness and the discord and and everything that happened in your life? And make some hard decisions. Ask yourself some hard questions. Am I the right person to care for this person? Should I ask for help? Should I let someone else care for them and just be their advocate? It's hard to hand that that care over to somebody else and just be that person's spouse again or their child again if you had a contentious relationship while they were well. You know, 
There, I, the way I look at it, there are zillions of emotionally unstable people walking around. I run into lots of them <laughs> day in and day out in traffic, at the grocery store. I see people losing their togetherness on a regular basis. And I don't blame the family members who are trying to care for their person. But what I want you to do is ask yourself why you took on the role. Why you think you should do it. Is it out of love and compassion? Is it obligation? Is it a burden? If it is, you need to move on. Because all bets are off when a person gets a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. Everything's going to become unfamiliar. Surroundings are going to become unfamiliar. They're going to quit learning new things. They're going to struggle with their own emotions. And if you can't be that rock, somebody else needs to be. And in a perfect situation, one minute you're okay, and the next minute it's like somebody pulled the plug. And you lose your temper. And for the person, one minute they're okay, and the next minute it feels like somebody pulled the plug, and they're not all there. It's hard to explain the diagnosis, and it's even harder to accept the diagnosis. And when people are private and they don't want to share the information, they don't want to talk about it with the doctor, they don't want to talk about it with the family, um, it just makes for that perfect storm. That perfect storm. And chances are, if that person wasn't nice, wasn't loving, wasn't warm in your lifetime, and they feed off of your energy, they're not going to be nice and warm and loving with Alzheimer's. Calmness brings contentness. Understanding brings patience. Love and kindness usually brings love and kindness. But if you've had months and weeks and years and lifetimes of that person not greeting you with that, they may never. They may never. It may be a battle you can't win. It may be a situation where you let somebody else take care of that person. I would have more respect for those of you in this situation, love and compassion and, and everything, if you can make a healthy choice to break that cycle, do what you need to do to make sure that person is safe and cared for, but maybe it's not you. And that's okay. Maybe it's not you. If the pandemic has given us any 
wisdom. It is that not everybody can be together 24-7 and survive. And togetherness with people that you struggle with very rarely turns into more beautiful relationships. Truth is, we grate on each other's nerves sometimes. It's just life. It's just life. But make good choices. Nobody's holding a gun to your head. Nobody's holding a knife to your throat. You can say no. You don't have to be the only person. But at the very least, get them to a safe place where they're cared for. Okay? I'm sure I'll get a lot of emails and letters about this. And some of you who think maybe I'm not being understanding enough. But like I said, I see these types of situations week in and week out. And I'm worried about y'all out there, and I'm worried about my people with the diagnosis. So ask yourself those hard questions. Make good choices for both you and your person. And I'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.